Welcome to New Mercies, a podcast by Mercy Ships, where we'll take you behind the scenes and on board our incredible hospital ships that are transforming lives all over the world. We invite you to join us each week to be inspired and encouraged by stories of life-changing hope and healing. I'm your host, Rayanne Newquist, and this is New Mercies. Well, it's season four of New Mercies, and we are excited to bring you all new interviews with guests who are currently serving with Mercy Ships as well as alumni. Starting us off is Nikki Aldum, who has been serving with Mercy Ships for 17 years. Nikki is the superintendent of the Mercy Ships Academies, and she plays a vital role in ensuring the excellent education that children receive on board our ships. Having served herself on board both the Anastasis and the Africa Mercy, and now running the show from the International Support Center in Texas, Nikki gives us a lot of insight and background to our incredible floating schools. Here is my interview with Nikki Aldum. Well, Nikki, we have just started another new school year, and I know that that is so exciting, not only for you, but for all the kids on board, all the teachers on board. So we're excited to kick off a new school year with you being someone who is so important to our academies. And so I want to welcome you to New Mercies. Oh, thank you so much. It's a great opportunity. I always love the start of the school year. It's just an opportunity to for new things and to start again. And also to continue what, what's been good and kind of maybe try things different. So, yeah, we're always excited about school year. And then, of course, there's the smell of that, of new stationery which um, and school supplies, <laughs> which gets everybody, well, any teacher excited. <laughs> Why is that? Why do we love the smell of school supplies? That's so crazy. <laughs> Not too sure. I think I might have a, a slight addiction. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Well, I know for myself, I have always marked a new year by the school year. January 1st isn't so much the new year to me anymore. It's the first day of school is when we start fresh. It's like our big reset. So I'm so excited for all of us to have that right now as the academy is kicking off once again. I've almost been in school for about a week now, so that's exciting. But before we get to all that and get to your, your role with the academies, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your beautiful accent, where you're from, and tell us how your Mercy Ships journey began. Although I currently live in East Texas, this is not an East Texas accent. It's, um, <laughs> it's from, I grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, and heard about Mercy Ships probably when I was a student. I was trying to think back of the exact date, and it just it always used to be part of our church life because the Anastasis Mercy Ships original fleet or original ship used to come through the port of Cape Town under different travels at different points back in the early 90s I remember different occasions Mm. of hearing and even there were some technical times where she was had work done in East London and people from our church went up so kind of hearing about mercy ships was just part of growing up in our church and we'd often have whenever there was a team or the ship was in port a team would come and visit this come visit the church and share about what they were doing and I was just Mm. taken by just not only kind of the idea of doing good but doing good within kind of different professional areas if that made sense like and Hmm. you know as a teenager did not didn't necessarily think I was hadn't quite wasn't quite sold on teaching but then when I was a student and studying teaching hearing oh they've got a school on board and the idea of being able to serve and do what what I wanted my career to be 
just felt like a good fit. I didn't, there were so many short-term mission trips that were more evangelical and I, I and I appreciate those, but I'm not a, a preach on the street corner kind of person. <laughs> I don't have that courage, you know, to do that. But can I serve as a teacher? That was, oh, I could possibly do this. So it was over a number of years, it was just kind of that, that guide would kind of knock on the door. And back in the 2005 the Anastasis actually came into the port of Cape Town and they were offering tours. I think in a four-day weekend, they had 100,000 people go through the oh ship. Oh, my goodness. And we Whoa. stood in line for, out, for literally hours to get on board to tour the Anastasis. And how I got there, a friend of mine who kind of, I said, oh, the, you know, mostly ships, the Anastasis is in town. She goes, oh, it's that time of year again. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, every time in about last couple of years, at this time of year, you start talking about this. By that time, I had been teaching for three or four years. I graduated as a teacher, you know, I was already teaching. And she said, oh, how about we go and visit and you kind of <laughs> might help you make a decision. So we hmm. we went down to the VNA waterfront in Cape Town and stood on the line and she actually ended up not being able to go on the tour because she had another commitment and the wait was too long. So I went on my own and I probably that hour long tour, I spent crying, just tears rolling down my face because I felt as I walked wow. up the gangway, it was just a sense of, okay, this is this is it, you know, kind mm. of thing. So although there'd been multiple kind of interactions and possibilities it was like, okay now what so in two, that so that was September 2005-ish and kind of was then started really considering like what what's this next step I was coming up to I'd been teaching for, I was for about eight years at that point I was about to enter my eighth year of teaching and kind of realized well the thing all the other things that I expected in my life weren't happening so but I had the freedom to kind of do an adventure or do something different so mm. kind of considered that and wrote off and put my eventually decided okay I'm gonna I made a list of these are the if I could choose what I could do these are the five things and my relationships was on the top of the list and I thought oh well they're never going to say yes so let me just get that over and done with so I back in those days it was a paper applications you had to get them mailed from the the, the U.S. and you kind of envelope arrived and I filled them all in and I mailed them all off and I was just like okay mm. this is this is this is going to come back as a no and it didn't come back as a no so I <laughs> sent them off in about September well I, you know, I can't remember the lining but it said I think it was June July I kind of sent them off and by September I had a yes and by January I was in Texas completing my onboarding wow. program yeah, so it was just this this huge thing. Um, it worked out well because our academic year in South Africa ends in December, so I was able to finish the school year with the kiddos that I'd started with. Mm, I was teaching oh, grade nice. one at that time and just thought, okay, well, I'll go onto the ship and start. So onboarding in those days was three months long, so it was a little bit longer. So the idea was wow. to be available from January to to March there and then hmm. I would have a sort of a few months break before and then join the ship for the beginning of the school year in August was kind of the plan um, hmm. so yeah it kind of it was once I once you know I said yes <laughs> the doors flew <laughs> open but it was more about God, God knocking for a long time wow. a little fun fact when I packed up my my house I discovered 
I think five sets of Mercy Ships applications that I had written off and never filled out over Whoa. time. So yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a quick process. It took a while for me to 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 have the courage or the gumption. I'm not too sure what. Just all the confidence hmm. to say this is what God wanted in this season. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And now it's been what almost. 18 years is my math actually. In January it will be 17. Yeah. Can is 17 years. Yeah. Okay. So wow. Arrived. Yeah. To that January 2007 was kind of when I that's when I start counting. Anyway. Hmm. Um, yeah. Can how exciting. Um, yeah. And that was a two-year commitment. <laughs> I had other plans, I think. <laughs> you sure did. Yeah. Well, when did your passion for education begin? When did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? If I'm honest, like I don't think I had a passion to be a teacher. Mm. In so many words, is I had a passion to make school fun, if that makes and doable. School was not my happy place growing up. Um, mm. I have dyslexia, so kind of school's hard, and it worked, and it was kind of learning didn't necessarily come easy. Talking came easy, but not reading or doing the other things that was required. And so school was just hard work. And then, Mm -hmm. but also I loved kids and I loved seeing those experiences. I was always the babysitter. I was always growing up. And so somewhere in high school, I kind of figured out, well, actually, maybe I can be a teacher, despite of all the kind of the the difficulties with school and the kind of the, the feedback unintentionally that you get if you struggle with school. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can make it, maybe I can do this. And you get holidays. So maybe it's a good combination <laughs> to, to have. Yeah. So, so it was kind of a default for like it was like, okay, get let's give this a go. Um mm. so I ended up going into teaching and ended up also then more specifically specializing in special education and through studying to be a special ed teacher I discovered so much about my own learning that Mm. made more sense that kind of opened that door even more so yeah it was an interesting journey sometimes I think I'd success by our not necessarily with an inspirational but like as a like he uses different ways to hook us, up, hook us, and then we discover the most amazing things about ourselves that we would never have seen if we hadn't started. Mm, whatever that portion of the journey is. Yeah. yeah. No, that's very true. That's very true. What was a highlight for you teaching on board? And and how? Well, first of all, how long did you live on board? A total of about eight years. So from two thousand and seven okay. through to two thousand four, there was a break in between the little bit um, that I worked here at the ISC for some time. But mainly on board for from I left in September two thousand and fourteen to transfer here to to work from our international headquarters. Well, wow. Yeah. So with that much time on board, you probably had a lot of highlights. But <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe share with us one or two. I think a highlight is almost the question, answer to the first question that you, or what question that I didn't answer, how did I become principal kind of question. And that movement was, I just expected to be a teacher. And then the opportunity came up where they asked whether I would consider being principal at the beginning of the, ne- the, the next school year. And would I step into sort of a vice principal role at the, the sort of December break to kind of start the handover. And I was like, really me was kind of like what you showed even someone else they could ask and mm. then yeah I just it discovered another side not only myself but kind of our service and what that looked like so that was mm. a highlight just just having that opportunity 
it wasn't yeah. about its bumps and its learning curves, <laughs> to be very honest. But it's you know, it was part of part of that. So I think just it was yeah. an opportunity I didn't think personally I would ever get. And yet God opened that door. And again, I think he the hook was becoming a teacher. I know I can do that. I didn't think I could be a school leader, but he knew and kind of created that opportunity. So, yeah, wow. it was quite a sweet experience. I think one of my all-time favorite stories is the power of the faith that faith that children have and keep teaching us um, mm. if we dare to listen and look and observe their, their, their walk with God. Um, and it happened back in about 2010, we had an interesting season where we moved all the families off the ship, off the Africa Mercy ashore in South Africa, in Durban, South Africa, while hmm. we were replacing the generators on board the Africa Mercy. It was a major project. We were off ship, but meant to be about nine months. I think we were meant to go oh, about wow. six months, but it ended up being nine months. So we relocated hmm. the families and we lived at a, a teacher training college that sort of like a college set up that had this model school that we were we were able to move into as an academy we had space we had classrooms we had all sorts of things so it was quite fun for us as the kids families and the whole crew living in dormitory it was, yeah, was it was a learning experience it was called apples bash so kind of some people still have a nervous tick if we if we mention apples bash but anyway from it was during that season when we arrived and it, because it was at like a college campus it this massive amphitheater that the lecture halls and the the kind of the school and the kind of dormitories were all kind of built around this amphitheater um and it was mm. all brick paved and just painting the picture and every friday morning we would have devotions in the school assembly sitting literally under the trees the acacia trees wow you know in this amphitheater and kind of teaching under teaching under a tree in africa was kind of come to be and we arrived there, I'm trying to think when we moved off pretty early on in the school year and was the, the sort of the, the summer season and start of summer in South Africa and just the, there was a, a drought in the area and the, where we were was slightly rural and very agriculture based and the drought was having a really negative effect on the farming community. So whenever we would go to church or then connect with people, it would be difficult to kind of all that's all we would hear about was this drought that was really affecting mm. the economy in the area so yeah. kind of that's what the kids were thinking so the, this Friday morning we're talking I can't even remember what we were talking about but basically we were asking what we we're prayer, calling for prayer requests on the kids and what could we pray for together as an academy and when I said it was all the kids it was the preschoolers through the grade 12s because that's what we love to do is gather everybody together and we somehow make mm. it work and appropriate <laughs> and there was a young, a young student, Tom, in grade, he was in kindergarten, so he was five, and he stood up and he said, Miss Nikki, I want to pray that it rains so much that this amphitheater fills up with water and that oh. we can swim. And it was a big, hairy, audacious, faith-based prayer. And to be hmm. honest, a lot of the senior students and I think some of the staff kind of giggled at kind of really, that's a ridiculous prayer. Hmm. Well, you know, and it was like, well, Tom, if that's what you want to pray, go for it. And he stood there and he prayed that prayer. And then um, two weeks later, he, well, lo and behold, two weeks later, it started raining. And boy, <laughs> did it rain. And you know what? It rained so much that that amphitheater was knee high, deep in water. Oh, and my goodness. It was kind of like, 
yeah, God didn't have to answer that prayer in that way. We were just praying for rain, but yet he heard, in my mind, he like it was just a confirmation. He heard Tom, the mm. five-year-old's prayer, and he kind of just like had a sweet honor way of honoring it. Yeah, it was because the drain was blocked and there's all of the logic behind it, but it doesn't make a difference. He filled that aggregator mm. that the kids, some kids did swim in it, you know, kind wow. of because, and it was just like, it. yeah, it was a, just a bit, and it was massive, but it was just, yeah. <laughs> A huge to me that was just a highlight of okay actually no prayer is too small or too crazy or too yeah. big for God to answer absolutely you know, what yeah. a great reminder you know I think sometimes we especially as we get older we get so practical in our prayers yeah. we don't we don't pray for crazy stuff like yeah fill up the amphitheater with so much rain but I love the kind of the wonder and the naivete of children and they pray these things and God loves that and he honors it and blesses it and I think huge prayers really affirm who God is you know, we're, we're saying, God, you are big enough to do this. Nothing is impossible with you. And I think that attributes him such power and glory and honor when we actually pray big prayers. So I love that. I love that story. It's such a great reminder for me personally, you know? Absolutely. I think also, you know, yeah, it's just, I always think of, in my mind, it's, it's Tom's prayer, you know, kind of like, am I praying in that way? Do I have mm. the courage and the faith? to pray those prayers still um, yeah. and no I think I'm far too practical why I think of the not the reason why God wouldn't answer it rather than hmm. the possibilities of why he would you know yeah or how yeah. or I, I'm so narrow in my perspective of how I want God to answer my prayers rather than saying God you do answer this in your way and you with your will you know and your yeah. your creativity rather than my um limited demands hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why is it important for mercy ships to include families and have kids on board? I think what I've seen the evidence of is more what I can answer and the beauty of having families serving as part of community and it creates a community serving communities versus mm. individuals serving communities. I don't believe God calls just the mom and dad. I believe he calls He calls the whole family to serve with mercy ships. And during that season, it might be that the students, their service is in school, but their impact is outside of school. You know, I think mm. we've seen when people come on board and they see families serving that even the most difficult conversations become easy or it opens doors and opportunities and it Hmm. shows the love of Jesus and the purpose of that God has in family and community and the value of children in the most beautiful way. I think Hmm. too that our children serve our onboard communities, not only the host nation communities, in the sense that they bring levity, they bring laughter, they bring joy. Yeah, they run in the corridors and they <laughs> two things and they kind of it's not all that, but also they just get to people get to see it's a it's a balance that that is sometimes hard to to keep when we're serving such great need. There's mm. never our days are never done. There's always more need than we can serve, you know, no matter right. what we do. But yet it's still valuable in what we do. And having kids part of the community just helps us see like 
you know, we're more than just what we do in our service. We're we're individuals. We're surrogate aunts and uncles and grandparents mm. and all of those things there. And also we get to learn from our kids. They, yeah. they, we get to see Jesus in them and they walk out their faith and kind of that gives us both the the opportunity and the reminder to to have that same faith with it's faith with abandon on without without reason or logic or hindrance it's just that mm-hmm. ability and I think God knew that we we needed that I think too is really as a family we have we value the family unit um and part of that is yeah we might want the professional serving but also we you know what we gain when we have family services the experience and the maturity that people that have have families have but also we gain that that sense of balance and and also we you know that answers the question but that's kind of all those things more than someone help us gives us opportunities to to show Jesus in a more complete holistic way as well as as kind of our kids serve our community by helping us find that balance and bringing joy and levity and Mm -hmm. and often humor and beauty in a different (laughs) way you know yeah yeah absolutely well I think that you know it's a lot of work to have kids on board because you have to create an academy. You have to create, you know, an education for these children. It creates safety issues. And there's there's a lot of extra work that goes into it when there are children on board. However, as you've just mentioned, I think the benefits far outweigh the cost. And like you said, we can learn from them like little Tom, you know, to pray big prayers and to have a faith of a child. You know, when you're in the intense working environment of a hospital on board in a developing nation, you know, there's there's a lot of intensity on board. But the kids kind of just, you know, bring you back to earth a little bit and 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 Mm -hmm. to watch them relate with the children who are in the hospital. The patients is lovely. Yeah. And for them. Yeah, to kind of even to see that, that interaction and realize if they can do it, why can't I? You know, kind of they they see past all the disfigurements and you know they they just see see the child or the the adult that's there in the most beautiful way. They also ask us hard questions about faith mm. and about why that that aren't necessary fun or easy to answer, but help us remind us of refining our our call and our mission. Yeah, it's worth it being here. Yeah, it yeah. definitely has a cost serving with in any in any area of missions, but it's worth it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has a cost to the organization having families on board, but it's worth it. You know, yeah. it has a cost for families. They do give up some things, but they also gain so many opportunities and the perspectives that any person serving with mercy shows. But if kids get that experience, they'll grow up with a worldview that is completely different and they'll and they have a you know have a perspective that is forged in in completely different way to if they just remained in their home countries and Mm -hmm. what that looked like absolutely Yeah. yeah Well, Nikki, tell us, what are you doing now? You were on board for about eight years, but you continue to serve with Mercy Ships and you're no longer on board, but tell us what you're doing. What is your current role? So current, my my fancy title is Academy Superintendent. So I oversee both academies currently on the Global Mercy and, and then 
when we relaunch and reopen the Academy of North Africa Mercy in this coming January. So that we're excited to be back to having two schools um, after mm. the Africa Mercy has been in its refit season. Yeah, I have a team. I serve as part of a team and trying to find out what that looks like. So a lot of when I moved up in 2014, we were really at that stage where the Global Mercy arrival was no longer just a dream or a plan although we had been working on it for a number of years it was becoming a reality so part of my I have a colleague Brian Blackman who's worked here from from the IOC back since 2007 he was also on the ships and served with his wife and family but then moved here and he was on his own supporting the academy from staffing to recruiting to like trying to hold on everything and I just after eight years just felt like well I needed a new season and so he said, well, come to come to Texas and help plan for the new Global Mercy. So initially when I came out, came here, I wasn't superintendent. I was working as the kind of supporting the academic program and then planning for the Global Mercy and what that looked like. And then eventually stepped into to this sort of more senior leadership role. And now we have actually a team of of seven people supporting the academy wow. from here so it's quite a quite a growth that some of that growth has been more recent which is mm. where it, just in a couple of months that we've had um, um curriculum managers and instructional coaches and they're working remotely both um jesse and Catherine served as teachers on board and now they're serving in that role from their home countries and it's just Great. exciting to see those things us grow not only in size but in quality and excellence um, hmm. as we serve the families because yeah there's many things our our school has well the school in the Africa Mercy and now Global Mercy has been accredited as an international Christian school since 2011 um, hmm. and we will be applying for a systems accreditation in 2000 and we'll hope to, to get that work finished in about 2025 so we'll keep us keep us busy but part of that is just to provide the quality because we we have families serving us with us from 14 15 any range in between different nationalities and they serve Mm. with us for seasons they don't necessarily serve for lifetimes so we have to ensure that we can smoothly transfer transition families in to serve with us and also prepare them to return to their home nations or the next chapter as what God has in store. So that just takes, we just need to be accountable to to what that looks like and the process mm-hmm. and yeah, some of the more nitty-gritty things, which I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think it's important for people listening to know that, you know, not only does Mercy Ships value family, but also there is a level of excellence that we offer our students in our academies. And they're so valued. As you mentioned, you now have a team of seven people from around the world that are working off ship just to support these academies. And we really do offer an excellent education for the kiddos on board. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that excellence? Sure. Tell us a little bit about the quality of education that's offered, as well as the unique aspects that come with a school on board a ship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's this tension in a book written that's called Worth It, Worth it by Brian, Professor Brian Simmons. He quotes that the Mercy Ships Academy is, is one of the most unique schools in the world. And we kind of like, I love that quote, but but how can we be both be unique but also 
ensure that we meeting the same milestones as other schools hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. make sure that we do a good job. Um, part of that is accreditation and part of that's accountability and finding the balance between sort of how do you pay the pathway but help teachers stay on that pathway but also have that creativity to to be who God has created them to be as a teacher. So the kind hmm. of that, I call it the how and what of teaching. So um, what we want our teachers to teach, we want to define well so that not only we can know which path to forge, but also um, know what to communicate to our families and to future schools as as students transfer, but also the space of the how is how to be creative in that. Mm. You know, we ask a lot of our teachers. Sometimes I, I worry that we ask too much, but it's just, it is, we only have certain amount of teachers, but yet we cover 15 grade levels in, in what we do. So finding that balance. So our school operates in some ways we've kind of, we, it actually looks like a pretty normal school. It starts at eight o'clock in the morning and we have seven <laughs> lessons in the day and we have a bell and we have all these things that, that kind of runs in these lessons and we have a morning break. And the one unique aspect of a school is like we have an hour long uh, lunch break every day that matches the ship's lunch hour. And so fam- students get to go home and spend lunch with their families every day, which is great fun, and then come back in the afternoon. Um, so things that are that are normal or kind of how we build our the more academic program is kind of we have we offer Bible and we do math and we do language arts or English and we do science and we do social studies. Our social studies is slightly different in the sense that we do it from a global perspective. We don't focus on a particular country or a particular mm. um, perspective. We have that more global approach. And then we do things like technology and PE or physical education and art and choir and music library. We have a library on board for the kids. So we kind of try and find all of those, both um, the normal traditional parts of school and then also kind of we have things like student life on a Friday afternoon for from grade six to 12 that teaches our kids life skills where we invite crew to come and share an area that they're passionate about. It could be we've had from oil painting to cheerleading to stock broking to <laughs> carpentry, like all these different passions that the that wow. crew have. So they get to share that with our students. And then also, this is also for our grade six to 12, is we are a school within a, a community, a fully functional community. So we have, once a year, we have something called work experience and it's part of our college preparation program. And our students get to choose a job that they would like to shadow. So grade six to 12, hmm. they get to choose a job that they would like to essentially try out for a week. So we then yeah. approach people that are working in those roles and would you mentor one of our students and do all the preparation and and that goes with that. And those, our students get to spend that week working the hours that their mentor works. So, for example, a couple of years wow. ago, we had one of our kids want to work as a baker. I said, okay, but <laughs> the baker starts at 3 a.m. No, not a problem. So he worked. <laughs> this student was in, worked from 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day, and he loved it because then he had the rest of the day. Wow. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. But, but he got that experience. And part of it is they also get to look at like, kind of what it takes to do that career uh, whether it's a traditional pathway or they different ways and yeah it's just that experience um we ask them to choose a different career every every year so that they can try different things 
Um, and they learn so a lot cool. about themselves. And they learn about, about sweat equity, to be honest. Some of them didn't realize how hard people worked, <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love so those, are the, those are the fun, unique things. Um, yeah. You know, on a practical, very practical level, you know, the school's accredited by two different organizations as an international school. And that's through the Association of Christian Schools International and then also through Middle States Association of Colleges and Schools. So, hmm. yeah, that's just, and both of those help, you know, we have a monitoring process that, and there's requirements that we have to meet and that helps keep us accountable for that process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know firsthand it is an incredible education that our kids are experiencing on board. I know my kids just thrived and had such a positive experience. And it's incredible how, again, how intentional Mercy Ships is about providing excellent education for the students on board. And it's it's encouraging. It should be encouraging to any parents out there who are considering doing this with their family and to potential teachers who are listening, wondering, oh, maybe I could just go do this. I've never taught before, but no, we don't, we don't hire, you know, people that don't have experience, right? I mean, there's a caliber of teachers on board and we expect experience and excellence. So it's, Go ahead, please. No, absolutely. And I think also just that accreditation helps the teachers as well, because we can mm. just, because it used to be that if you served with Mercy Ships before, prior to the accreditation as a teacher, your time wouldn't count towards any future because you couldn't verify oh. the school. And now that helps as we can, we can help with credentialing and licensing and whatever that looks like. So it isn't a step out of career. It's just a, a career, a furthering your career in a different capacity which is great for teachers, you know? Yeah. Well, coming into almost 17 years or a little beyond 17 years of service with Mercy Ships, what is it that keeps you going? Why, why do you stay? I mean, you've left your home country of South Africa for East Texas, which is very different. (laughs) Obviously living on board the ship is very different than living in a home in, in East Texas with all this big changes that you've made to serve with Mercy Ships, what is it that compels you to continue? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Some days it's easy to answer and some days it's like, <laughs> why am I doing this? Anyway, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I, I get you. I think it's on the balance of just being part of something that you know is good. Yeah, mm. and also that what I shared earlier on about becoming to do my profession, but also serve and yeah. serve. And I believe in Mercy Ships' mission and vision. You know, I believe that they bring hope and healing to to people that need to know Jesus' transformational love, and you get to see that in action. I think for me, and what I talk to our teachers about, our ministry might not be the patients, but we bring that transformational love of Jesus to our students, and we get to see them not only grow in excellence and in, the, in, the, in their education, but grow in their faith and in their mm-hmm. service and understanding of who their God is and the fact yeah. that he's called them. So I think those things, the marrying of two worlds, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to separate them, you know? Yeah. Well, as we wrap up our time together, why don't you tell us what your hopes are for this new school year? The last few years have been, I don't want to hop on it, but like the realities that they've been challenging. We've had, yeah exponential growth in the organization we've had a lot of leadership change um none of that's all 
bad or good. It's just sometimes it's hard, you know. And then yeah. we had COVID thrown in there. We had the delay <laughs> of the global mercy thrown there. So we had like it just it, it's just been um, a season of so much change and mm. a lot of crisis management. And um, yeah. again, sometimes those are the seasons we had we need to walk through. And you know, a good day is the day we get to stand, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, in the same spot. But yeah, I think I'm looking forward to to this school year closing that that chapter of the 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 change will we'll always manage change but 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 kind of the two schools one school two schools COVID not COVID, you know kind of that is, and I'm looking forward to, <laughs> right. to getting to to a point in January where we have both schools and seeing all the dreams we've had of the two schools walking side by side being unique schools but also the opportunity grade one teachers on each ship to have collaborate together and this mm. you know kind of like just small glimpses of just opportunity and possibility that we've thought and planned about um for so long and just seeing what God's going to do with that yeah. also seeing a new wave of people joining us and the mm. impact that 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 God and how God will work in them and through them in the coming season I think yeah I'm looking forward to just being able to move forward <laughs> that's kind of yes it's been a lot of <laughs> seasons of move stuff move stuff um just because there's just things out of our control so if there's that yeah and just to see God at work in in all things. Yes. And you know what what his plans are versus what I think my plans are. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will definitely all be joining you in prayer as this school year has begun and it will run smoothly and Lord willing, two schools will be running yeah. together in Speaking. January, which is so, and, so exciting. And two ships and you know, and kind of ship and two serving two countries and the kind of you know I sometimes focus on two small things but the two to smaller things but it's just that kind of yeah but being both in Sierra Leone and Madagascar um, both countries that um, have had the privilege of serving in before but now both of them yeah and just kind of seeing God what he's got planned is exciting it's so exciting well I'm grateful that you have been obedient each day with that question of, God, what do you have for me today? What what can I do today? And as he has spoken to you, you have continued to say yes in the hard days and in the great days. And we're so grateful for your leadership and your supervision over our academies. We know that our children are being very well educated on board both ships. And so we thank you so much for all that you do and your team. And thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And if there always love exploring with with families and with teachers what it would mean to serve with mercy shifts be to jump on calls and just answer the questions about what it could possibly look like and sometimes even answering answering the practical realities of what does it really look like you know kind of. <laughs> um although i haven't been on board you know lived on board for a while kind of did for first season so yeah about that. yeah well thank you nikki we appreciate you If you are interested in teaching on board our ships, please go to mercyships.org slash volunteer for more information. The Global Mercy will be pulling into port in Sierra Leone very soon. And next week, we get to hear from a man who has been on the ground for almost a year helping prepare the way. 
Sierra Leonean David Bakiwa will be here to share his unbelievable Mercy Ships journey and his hopes for this field service in his home country. 